thank you for our reminder, Lord Jesus, of your conquering work at Calvary. Thank you for being a Savior who rescued us from sin, hell, and death. Lord, we love you today. And we thank you that you are still mighty to save. Now, Father, it's preaching time. And we need for you to do in us only what you can do. That's illuminate our hearts and minds. Breathe on this house this morning. God, open our ears, Lord, that we may hear and our eyes that we may see what your spirit has to say to the church. Give me your son preaching power that preaching may be done. Take control of the reins of my mind, my emotions, that God, I might be used by you for this hour and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Wow. How about that praise team? One more time, family. <laughs> amen. Thank you, brothers. Thank you so much. And Brother David will be leading in worship at uh, Fresno Pacific on Wednesday night as well. Amen. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts, chapter 14. We are back in Acts. Tell somebody we're back. And I'm happy to be here. Thank you, visitors, for being with us today. And welcome, welcome, welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church. We are an expository teaching and preaching church. And that means we believe in preaching through the entire book of the Bible, books and chapters at a time. Family? And today we're starting an exciting three-week series titled The Five-Star Church and Persecution in the Ministry. The five-star church and persecution in the ministry. So join us in this study today, Acts chapter 14. And we'll be looking at the first seven verses. If you got it, say, I got it, Reverend. I got it. All right. Now, it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews. And so spoke that a great multitude both of the Jews and of the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, the Lord was bearing witness to the word of his grace. And he was granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided. And part of them sided with the Jews and the other part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made, both by the Gentiles and Jews, with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, the cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding regions. Tell somebody they was running for their life. And they were preaching the gospel there. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Today we want to tag this message, the five-star church and persecution in the ministry, part one. Today, family, we have a privilege of looking at persecution and ministry. The true record for the church of Jesus Christ is really one of great trouble. For the church has always had a bloody past, a bloody present. And we're called to live in a bloody future. 
And it's this way because we have a call to die to ourselves and to live unto God. In other words, trouble must accompany the church of Jesus Christ. And it must accompany the church because Christ said that it would be so. So we shouldn't be shocked today by our news media that's reminding us hour after hour of the daily and constant persecution of Christians who are losing their lives because of their commitments to Christ. In fact, the story is told of Christians in modern day Chad who were being persecuted for refusing to participate with their old cultural and tribal initiation rites. In fact, news reporters said that church leaders got together and declined to do what the president said. The president of Chad was ordering everybody to go back and remember their religious rituals. The drinking of chicken blood that was offered to idols. The handling of fetishes and the like. He wanted them to go back and encounter their ancestry religion and he wanted to wipe out all those who were worshiping Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Well, there was about 1,500 congregations in Chad and the evangelical pastors and leaders got together and said, we're not going to obey the president. We'd rather die with Jesus than live and worship among men. That's what I call a five-star mentality. They were people who understood that there's a cost in following the Christ. Recently, you read in the news in Kenya, 147 college students were killed because they refused to denounce Christ and to pray the Muslim prayer. I call them five-star believers because they were committed to following Christ. And guess what, young people? They wasn't for sale when it came to their faith. Our text today reveals what will happen to a believer when they proclaim the good news of salvation to a dying world. In other words, there are consequences for following Jesus. And my task as your pastor is to equip you in this series about what is coming to the faithful followers of Christ right here in North America. Some of you better get ready to lose your life for the cause of Christ because that's the kind of faith we have. We're called to a bloody salvation. We're called to walk with a God who commands us to live our lives as living sacrifices. I'm going to park the car and pastor right here. I think some of y'all got in on the Christianity that's only about health, wealth, and prosperity. If that's the one you got in on, that's the wrong one. Now God will heal you. God will bless you. And God will prosper you. And in all of that, you still called to die. Are you listening here? Now you need to go home and do inventory. What's my salvation all about? As we begin this, this three-week series, we're going to talk about the five-star church, which we've been preaching about, and persecution in the ministry. Turn to your neighbor this morning, good-looking neighbor. Tell them, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. My pastor talking to you. He wants you to know. Persecution comes in this ministry I got a couple points I'm gonna give you are you ready no 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 y'all ain't ready are you ready number one I'm gonna talk about the ministry opportunity in Iconium and then secondly I'm gonna talk about the ministry opposition in Iconium and thirdly I'm gonna talk about the ministry observations in Iconium and then last I'm gonna close with talking about the ministry obstacles in Iconium. Amen. You have no reason why you can't understand this text when we're through. Verse 14, if you got your Bibles open, keep them there. The text says, now it happened in Iconium that they went 
together to the synagogue of the Jews. And so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks, believed. Can I unpack that right there? When you come to this text, we discover, family, that ministry for Paul and Silas in Iconium, first of all, began with a bang. Yeah, it, it took off. Paul and Barnabas on their missionary journey, they sought opportunities to preach to their own countrymen first. And then they would carry the good news to the non-Jewish communities. Acts records, Zuniga, that this was their evangelism strategy. They went to the Jews first and then they went to others in the community. Now, according to the text, numerous lives have been impacted and changed by the preaching of the gospel. And as a result, their ministry was so powerful, brothers and sisters, that it went cross-cultural. I lost some of y'all right there. It wasn't just a Jewish gospel. It reached the Gentiles too. And I, can I tell you something? If you preach it right, it'll reach other people too. It ought not just reach people that look like you. Am I talking to you there? You know what? The gospel is always good news to those who ain't never heard it preached before. The gospel has drawing power and driving power. What do you mean, Pastor? It'll draw those that's hungry for God. And it'll drive those that's mad at God. That's why people leave this church. I ain't tripping. Amen. It'll draw you and it'll drive you. Am I making sense here? What we can learn from this passage is that God had people in place who needed to hear the good news in Iconium. Are y'all in here? He had people in place who were looking for a word from the Lord. He had people in place, brothers and sisters, who needed to be born again. And that's why the gospel was working in Iconium. He had people in place who were hungry for an encounter with God. And listen, somebody here today, somebody here today, you is in need to proclaim the good news right where you at. Because somebody on your job has a desire to be born again. Somebody here today is in need of sharing the gospel on your school campus because somebody you know is in need of the good news of Jesus Christ. Somebody here today has a message from the Lord and it's a message that must be shared with a broken heart and a troubled soul. And just like Paul and Barnabas, you have a ministry opportunity that must not be passed on. Can I park the car and waddle right there for a minute? It's not your pastor's job to come to your job and preach to those sinners you're working with. That's your ministry assignment. It's not your pastor's job to show up at your address and preach to your neighbor. That's your assignment. It's not your pastor's job to come to your family reunion and preach to your family. That's your job. Come on, talk to me. Am I making sense here? You've got a ministry opportunity right where you've been planted. And you're lying if you say God ain't got nothing for you to do. Oh yeah, he got something for you to do. He wants you to share the good news right where you if you got that, high five somebody and tell them, I got that, I got that. Not only did they have a ministry opportunity in Iconium, but they had ministry opposition in Iconium. Y'all in here now? Come on, lean in and let me talk to you today. Verse 2 says, but, see that? They had, yeah, they had some success, and then you see this conjunction here, but. <laughs> in other words, trouble always accompanies success. I'm talking to somebody who's getting discouraged because there's a little trouble in your ministry. If you're doing 
doing anything worth your salt in the gospel, there's going to be trouble. I'm going to save that. I'm going to come back to that. The text says in verse 2, but the unbelieving Jews, you see that, stirred up the Gentiles and they poisoned their minds against the brethren. When we come to this portion of the text, we see that because of the preaching of the gospel, those who refused to believe, Brother BJ, they got angry, son, and they spread gossip about the preacher. I know I ain't talking to you. I know that ain't you. You don't do that. Amen. They spread gossip about the preacher. In other words, I like how the text said it. They poison the minds. That's what gossip does. It poisons the mind of those who would hear to keep them from hearing. And they tried to stir up trouble in the ministry. My brothers and my sisters, whenever God is blessing a work, uh, there will always be satanic trouble. From a few people, Reverend Tom, who oppose what God is doing in the body. These Jews, uh, they, they couldn't accept Paul and Barnabas preaching the word about Jesus conquering death, hell, and the grave. And so they got mad. And they started trouble. They, they didn't know that they weren't fighting against Paul and Barnabas. But they were really fighting against the word of the Lord. Y'all in here? The more these brothers preached, the bolder they got. Y'all get that? And here's why gospel preaching inspires boldness. And fear has to flee where the power of the Holy Spirit is indwelling the preacher. You ought to have a preacher that's a little crazy when he preaches the gospel. He ought not have to check his notes or his mind about what he's preaching about. He ain't concerned who's going to be offended. Hey, come on, talk to me. Not when I'm preaching the gospel, my mama could get offended. My children could get offended. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's going to offend somebody. Come on in here. Let me talk to you. Ain't no such thing as a happy sermon. Something in that text ought to cut your feelings. Something ought to make you have to repent about something. Somewhere there ought to be a change in your attitude. Where you get this Joel Osteen gospel from? My best life now means I'm going to hell without a savior. Y'all in here? I know I just made some of y'all mad. Stay mad. Stay mad in here. The gospel ought to offend you if you are an enemy of Jesus Christ. And the more Paul and Barnabas preached, the more angry the enemies got. And they stirred them up, the crowd. Here's what I notice. After God has begun a good work in you, expect to have challenges in your ministry. I'm talking to the mature Christians now. In other words, the five-star church is a church that must endure satanic influences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the five-star church must be opposed for proclaiming the Christ, his cross, and his crucifixion. The five-star church must receive opposition and obstacles if we are to be a God-sized mission like Paul and Barnabas. Be, be through with trying to coddle personalities. Be through with that. You're not going to please everybody. Just please God. You're living for an audience of one. 
were affecting all of humanity. Can I turn the light on right there? If you live your life for an audience of one, you're going to make enemies. But you're also going to pack nations. Somebody looking at me today. You got trouble coming to you right now. Because you're in the center of God's will. Somebody right here. It's confirmation of your mission. That trouble has come to your life. Somebody looking at me right now. You're under attack. But don't you move nowhere. You're right where you need to be. In fact, the trouble in your life is confirmation you on your mission. Somebody, you're being accused of something right now. You're being called names. You're being threatened. But stay right there. It's confirmation of your ministry and your mission. Look, look, the Five Star Church is a church of persecution and ministry. If they blast you on Facebook, only check to see how many likes you got. Because it's confirmation that you're preaching something that's upset somebody. Can I keep going right here? Paul and Barnabas have a ministry opportunity, but they also have a ministry of opposition. Look with me at ministry observations in Iconium. What do we see from this? The text says in verse 3 that even though they stirred up trouble against him, therefore, look at this. This was really got me. They stayed there. Y'all catch that? Don't read the word too fast, right? After all that trouble, some of us would have quit. We would have folded up our Bible stand, took our Bibles and went home. Because somebody hurt your feelings. I'm going to preach it all today. We quit too easy, y'all. Somebody brush up against you and you fold up your Bible and quit and go home. Because they threaten you about praying on your job. You just quit. Come on, talk to me. When it's supposed to happen to you. Am I in here with y'all? Ministry opposition comes when you're obeying what God calls you to do. The text says, therefore, they stayed there. A little while? No, the Bible says a long time. They wasn't going to be moved. And they didn't just stay there a long time, Tong, but they stayed there a long time speaking boldly. Huh. In other words, they didn't quiet down the gospel. They didn't water down the message. They didn't apologize for their theological stands about the truth of the resurrection. Are you with me here? And because they stayed there a long time speaking boldly in the Lord, yes. The Bible says that the Lord who was bearing witness, who was watching? Hey, talk to me. They were living and ministering for an audience of one. And the Lord was bearing witness. And as a result of bearing witness to the word of his grace, he granted them a little something, something. Gave them power to do signs and power to do wonders by their hands can I unpack it these brothers don't run because somebody lied on them they don't run because ministry is getting uncomfortable or even because somebody don't like them I'm talking to you y'all they stayed right there they kept speaking boldly they kept bearing witness of the word and as a result, miracles were done by their hands because they stayed the course and stayed faithful to the work. Listen, they stayed long enough to see God do more than they ever expected. And some of y'all, you leave too quick. You can't see the end results of the thing because you gave up because you got your little feelings hurt. Can I say some more? But he affirmed and then confirmed their ministries. And they spoke with power. And then they demonstrated the same power. I lost some of y'all right there. Y'all catch it? They spoke with power 
and then demonstrated the power. Yeah, yeah. In other words, the word was more than enough, but the miracles proved that the word was true. These boys had a power to operate on behalf of heaven. I like this because if the hearers doubted the word, they couldn't doubt the miracle. God was taking away every excuse from the Iconians to not believe the preaching and teaching of Paul and Barnabas. God was removing any chance of them not believing. These brothers had a message and a miracle, and it was done boldly in the open before the eyes and ears of their haters. And because of their faithfulness, the ministry went cross-cultural. God, I love that right there. Both Jews and Gentiles were coming to the faith. Can I ask a question right there? Is your ministry cross-cultural? Or are you still only doing black evangelism? White evangelism. Brown evangelism. What's wrong with your gospel that it can't save people that don't look like you? If your gospel is still only monocultural, you don't believe God can save all men. And you have limited the power of God in your own life. I don't know what kind of Jesus you serve, but my Jesus served the white man, the black man, the brown man. Come on in here. I'm coming down your road. He'll serve the rich man, the poor man, the crackhead, the heroin user, the lying Wall Street mongrel. He'll serve him in the White House as well as the crack house. My gospel will reach any man in any place, at any time, and any condition separated from a loving God. Ask your neighbor, what, what's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? I stopped by to tell somebody today. I know I got an attitude, but it just feel good. Amen. It just feel good. The gospel is always good news to those who ain't never heard it preached before. The gospel has, again, drawing power and what? Oh, yeah, you preach the same one. Amen. But I stopped by to tell somebody today, Brother Deacons, somebody needs to stay right where they are today sharing the word because good things are going to happen when you share the gospel. Tell your neighbor, wait long enough to see the good things. Somebody needs to keep opening your mouth and teaching what you are teaching because lives are being changed. Somebody needs to not get, get tired of seeing progress or waiting on progress because things are going to happen if you just wait on the Lord. So somebody needs to stay the course today, bearing witness to the word of God so God can keep doing miracles through your hands. Y'all in here? So we've talked about the ministry opportunity, the ministry obstacles, ministry opposition, or ministry, yeah, opposition. Let's look at now ministry obstacles in Iconium. The text says in verse 4, but the multitude of the city, they were divided. And part of them sided with the Jews, and part of them with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Jews and the Gentiles, with their rulers to abuse and to stone them. That the brothers became aware of it and they fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region. Notice this. When we come to this portion of the text, trouble got so bad, Reverend White, in Iconium that a plan to sabotage the work began. 
In other words, these unbelievers, my brothers and sisters, were so stirred uh, that they wanted to kill them to stop the message of the gospel from being proclaimed by these brothers. In other words, brothers and sisters, they created a unified obstacle to stop the ministry. This is what I call, Sister Mabel, a satanic attack to silence the word of God. Can I turn the light on? You can always equate Satan's handiwork against the church when opposition tries to silence the preaching of the gospel. For only Satan wants the gospel silenced. Am I making sense here? Wherever there's opposition to the word of God, it's directly connected to the underworld. And the underworld hates the gospel and does not want to see people change. Why? Because the gospel is the only thing that can make a liar a worshiper of God in spirit and in truth. The gospel is the only thing that can take a racist and make him a lover of all nations. The gospel is the only thing that can take somebody who hates God to become a passionate missionary in service for the Lord. That's the last thing Satan wants you to get. He'd rather for you to have teas and banquets and fellowships and barbecues and, and 12 steps of this and 10 steps of that and 3 steps to a happy home. Just don't give them the gospel. Why? Because the gospel will open their eyes to the darkness and draw them into the marvelous light. Satan doesn't want the gospel. I'm from the pastor right here. He don't care about all your programs in your church. Program yourself to death. Just don't preach the gospel. Or if you're going to preach it, make it a tack on and add on five minutes here and don't go too deep. Y'all listening? We exist to preach the gospel. First and foremost, all that other stuff is good. But if ain't no preaching involved, it ain't Christ-centered ministry. Hey, We can build a building, but you better not build it without a preacher. And you better be preaching the gospel. Or all you got is a pretty building with no salvation in it. Am I talking to you? We got to remember, listen, listen, y'all, that sometimes good things are going to go bad in ministry. Paul's ministry was good. I already told you. Souls were getting saved, but enemies had to come. In other words, a good ministry or any good ministry, yeah, will one day come to an end because an enemy will oppose it. Some of y'all that have been journeying with me almost these six or seven years. You've seen it happen right in these four walls. People getting saved, lives getting changed, and some knucklehead or raise up and think they got something that none of y'all got and try to oppose you. Some of y'all know me for 25 years. Watch my ministry. And you'll see now, you'll watch how preachers can go from being saved to becoming fools. And the worst thing they once preached that was true, they walked away from the truth and then now turn around and attack their own son in the ministry. I'm living long enough to see that opposition will come when you preach the gospel. And if it happened to me, it's going to sure happen to you. Ask your neighbor, are you in here now? Are you in here now? We need to remember, brothers and sisters, that because we have an enemy who hates the gospel, there's going to be trouble that opposes your life. Bruce and Mary, I try to talk to y'all as often as I can through these series, but I want you to remember, son, you need to be reminded as you plant this church in Germany that even while you're working for God, sometimes things are going to take a turn for the worse. You're not going to plan for it. You can't plan for it. But because you will stand on the word of God, there's going to be opposition to the work. 
Sometimes people will be glad, son, that you're in your town. And other times they're going to want to run you out of town. Sometimes people will hate you for helping people out of trouble. Sometimes they'll call you a false teacher, a false preacher, and they'll put lies out on you, son. But you got to know that ministry ain't always good because the gospel will bring opposition. Y'all listening in here? When I look at this text, opposition, access to Wilson, she'll tell you, will make you uncomfortable. Opposition, Zuniga, will make you question your call. Opposition will make you doubt your mission. Opposition, Brother Nichols, will make you want to throw the towel in. Opposition will make you leery and weary. But stay the course. Stay the course, family, because the assignment you are on is from God. Look and listen to this. The Lord blessed me in my study with this. He said to me, son, the mission is heavy because the cost is heavy. The mission is heavy because the burden of it is heavy. The mission is heavy because the price is costly. The mission is heavy because the loss of life and souls are great. But then he blessed me. Chris, he says, God needs heavy believers to do heavy work. No, you can't be a sissy and do this. You can't be flip, you know, flip-flopping and do this. You got to be consistent and have a face that won't flinch in the frustrating furies and hours of fear. You got to be sold out to do this. In other words, the ministry ain't for lightweights. Ask your neighbor now, how much you weigh? Only heavy believers can carry heavy assignments. So let them talk about you. Let them lie on you. Let them accuse you. Let them speak on you. Let them close doors on you. Let them go home at night and think about you. Let them plan and plot against you. Let them dream of ways to sabotage you. Let them measure themselves against you. You just keep on preaching. You keep telling the story. Why? He's working. The gospel is working. And it's changing lives one soul at a time. Can I say some more? Because of preaching the gospel, those who refused to believe Paul and Barnabas, they got angry. And they spread gossip about the preachers. They attempted to stir up trouble in the ministry. And again, I'm repeating myself, but it's worth repeating. Whenever God is blessing a work, there will always be trouble from a few who oppose what God is trying to do in the body. These Jews thought they were fighting against our brothers, but really they were fighting against the word of God. And the more the brothers preached, the more hostile the crowd became. So much so that the text says in verse 5 that when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers, that means it was a citywide campaign to abuse and to stone them, the brothers got word of it. Yeah, I don't know, maybe somebody posted it on Facebook. Stoning today at 3 o'clock. These are the faces we going to kill at City Hall. I don't know, I wasn't there, I don't think they have social media, but somehow they got the word. And when they got the word, the Bible says they fled to Lystra and Derby. Can I unpack that right there? After violence attempts were made, after a hit was put out on them, after they tried to stone them, the brothers got the word. And here's what I learned. I learned this, brothers and sisters, that even though God allowed their enemies to plot, he didn't allow for them to prosper. Y'all in here? Even though he let them, Brother Bobby, make their move, no hurt, harm, or danger came to his servants. 
Even though God didn't stop the efforts, the threats, or the attempts to hurt the brothers, he yet protected them until it was time for them to leave. And here's what I discover in the text, family. There's a time to stay in a situation, and there's a time to get the heck out of there. Am I talking to you right there? There's a time to work among your enemies, and then there's a time to leave your enemies. There's a time to endure and a time to escape. The text says, like in the New King James, they became aware of it. They left the location where the gospel was received at first and then rejected. And in their leaving, guess what? They didn't leave the gospel there. They took it with them. And they kept preaching. Can I say some more? Sometime, Brother Crawford, you got to leave those who don't want to hear about the Jesus you serve. Sometimes you got to leave those places where they reject the Lord's miracles. <laughs> Sometimes, Brother Crumble, you got to you got to leave those places where the gospel is not wanted. Sometimes you got to leave those places where their hearts and minds are too hard against the work. Sometimes you got to leave those places, Reverend White, where you're persecuted for righteousness sake and get to the place where you can preach without distractions. Listen, we all have to know when to leave from places of persecution in order to keep proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Can I turn the light on? You're not called to be a martyr. God will promote you with martyrdom if he has it for you. Tell you what the old preacher said to me. You can't preach when you're dead, son. But if God should honor me with martyrdom, then blessed be the name of the Lord. He's the sovereign king of glory and then martyrdom becomes a part of my assignment. But if martyrdom is not what he has for me, I want to preach until he kills me some other kind of way. But the truth is, death is coming to all of us. Am I talking to you right there? Well, I got to leave you now. I've made you mad. I've made you nervous. Some of y'all sweating like you up here preaching, amen. Just as scared or scared as you are. But I'm going to tell you, they left on good terms. The text says they fled from the region and went to a new ministry location. And they were preaching the gospel in the cities of Lyconia and Derby. And I like this ending here, Reverend Tom, in the text because it shows us that even though they were threatened, persecuted, attacked, harassed, talked about, mistreated, they kept on preaching. Y'all catch that right there? They tried everything to shut them down, but nothing worked. They kept on preaching. They tried to stop the movement, but these men were possessed with preaching. So they kept on preaching. It reminds me of a story of a Roman emperor by the name of Pliny. He was the Roman governor in Asia Minor. And he was troubled one day because of his persecutions against the Christians. So that he wrote a letter to another emperor asking for his advice. He said to the emperor, I've got this certain unknown Christian who came to me for punishment. I threatened him. I said, I'm going to banish you. But he said to me, you can't banish me. Because my God is the father of the whole world. I said to him, I'm going to kill you. He said, you can't kill me. Or he said, I'm going to slay you. He said, you can't kill me. For my life is hid with Christ in God. And you can't kill that life. He said, I'm going to take away your possessions. He said, you can't take my possessions because my treasure are in heaven. He said, I'm going to drive you away from all your friends then. The man thought about that and said, you can't do that because I got a friend that you're not able to see. Then the Roman governor with all of his earthly powers of life and death, recognizing he couldn't do nothing to the man was himself tortured and persecuted. Because what you gonna do with the Christian 
who says, if I live, I live unto God. And if I die, I die unto God. And I like to believe that this is what kept Paul and Barnabas preaching. The idea that no matter what you do to me, my God is in control. I believe this is not only what kept them going, but it's what kept Jesus going. Because Jesus himself said, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I'll take it up again. And as a result, his life was lived for the Father, even in the face of persecution. In other words, he was living for a higher calling. He was living on another plane. He was living so that his life could not be touched by the circumstances of this world. And though men tried to kill him on that Friday, he gave his hands to the nails. And he gave his hands to the his feet to the cross. He gave his head to the crown of thorns so that even in his persecution, he was willingly being the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. I'm glad today that in Jesus' death, he teaches me how to die. You see, there's no better model for me to follow in life than to follow the model of Jesus. Come go with me to that city outside of the hill called Calvary. And there you'll see a man who's 100% God and 100% man. Jesus, as the Lamb of God, lays down his life so that you and I can be saved. He's persecuted for his message. He is abused because of his message. But he stays the course of his call to ministry. Now, what was his ministry? His ministry was to redeem mankind and draw man back into a personal relationship with the Father. So out on the cross, with one hand, he's holding humanity. With the other hand, he's grabbed the Father's hand. And in the ministry of reconciliation, Jesus becomes the bridge for men to enter back into a right relationship with God. Now that's a ministry. And in his ministry, he died. Didn't he die? He died because the ministry called for him to die. But he didn't die in vain. I heard he went down into the grave. And while he was in the grave, he took the sting out of death and victory over the devil. Victory over the grave. And early Sunday morning, I said early Sunday morning, with the completion of ministry on his mind, the Father raised Jesus back to life. And now Jesus, Mary's baby, Jesus, the Lamb of God, Jesus, El Shaddai, Jesus, the Lion of the Valley, has called us into the ministry of reconciliation. Now this means in your ministry, you must preach the gospel because only the gospel can reconcile a sinner back into a right relationship with the Father. Only the gospel can transform a heart. Only the gospel can change a mind. Can I talk to you? Don't try to fix the outward until you first fix the inside. Why you want to give them a long skirt first instead of giving them salvation first? Why you want to get them sober first instead of getting them saved first? Why you want to change the attitude first when you need to give them the gospel first? And if you give them the gospel first, their skirt will come down. If you give them the gospel first, they'll lay down the pipe. If you give them the gospel first, their mind 
would say it. Give him the gospel and let the spirit of God work everything in your cell. I'm glad today for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I let my hair down? Because of the gospel, I'm not a crip no more. Because of the gospel, I'm not a drive-by shooter no more. Because of the gospel, I don't smoke dope no more. Because of the gospel, ain't fighting the police no more. Because of the gospel, not disobeying parents no more. I've got the gospel, and that's all that I need. Is there anybody in here today that's been changed because of the gospel? Can I get a witness over yonder? Have you been changed because of the gospel? Is there anybody over here that's been changed because of the gospel? Somebody yell to me. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what changes things. If you've been changed today, high five somebody. Tell them I'm glad for the gospel. I'm glad for the gospel. High five somebody else. Ask them, do you got it, baby? Do you got it, baby? Can somebody help me right here? Somebody give me the gospel. On the count of three. One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have. Give the Lord some praise. It's the gospel. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. My pastor, my teacher, my mentor has taught us 